where we hope to shine light on one of the hardest competitions an athlete or really anyone can ever face the matchup against your own mind. Today, I'm talking with Madeline Barlow. Madeline has a PhD in psychology of human movement with a specialization in exercise and sports psychology. She's a mentor to athletes and highly sensitive people, a three-time author, a Reiki 2 practitioner, and human design guide. Beyond that, she is absolutely incredible. I'm so excited for you to hear our episode where we talk about finding your true self, mindfulness, your identity, in and out of sport, and so much more. And hopefully you'll learn a few things along the way. With that, let's dive right in. much for coming on today. I am extremely excited to have you on the mental matchup and have you bring a different perspective on student athletes than we've than we've had in terms of your work and your PhD and specialization in exercise and sports psychology and being an author and I I feel you have a lot of different things that you do and I'm really excited to dive in and hopefully give the audience some tips and tricks to get into a better mindset or optimize their performance Um, but definitely walk away with you know something today. Awesome yes thank you so much for having me I'm really excited to be here. Amazing so let's get started with just a little bit of a a background and why you ended up going to psychology and why you ended up getting your PhD in psychology and ultimately what led you down that path. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as I'm sure a majority, if not all of your listeners are or have been at some point or another, um, being an athlete was a huge part of my life as well. I grew up in the water. I grew up swimming. It was my favorite thing in the world. I loved it with all of my being. And I loved it until I didn't anymore. Uh, And so that came from a place of having these really high, incredible moments. You know, the, the most joy I've felt in my life, a lot of it did come from moments in the pool, but also my biggest and deepest disappointments came from being in the pool. Um, And at the time I didn't know how to navigate those disappointments, those challenges. And so it led me in time to recognize that I wanted to become the person that I always wished I had had at the time. I hope I have done that and I'm continuing to do that. I feel like I have, or at least feel like younger me would have really connected with me. Okay. It's very trippy now. We're getting, getting kind of trippy. Um, and that's fine. Right. Uh, but for, it is such a honor to be able to support current athletes, but then also people who are now former athletes who have transitioned out of sport and to support them in their performance, but also in navigating the ups and downs of their life. So that's been such a really incredible process for me personally. That's awesome. Full, full circle moments. Um, I feel like there's something special about being able to give back or, you know, be that person that you wanted to have in your corner. Um, So with that, I do want to dive into your mentorship that you have and talk about transitioning and transitioning out of sports. I know my whole life since I can remember has been around sports, whether it was dancing, field hockey, basketball, it's been built and weaved into be a huge piece of my identity um, from since I was a young age. And when lacrosse ended, it was it was weird. It was nice for, you know, a few weeks, um, like two weeks, but it's almost like going up on vacation and at the end of the vacation, you're kind of itching to get back to your routine and to normalcy and to, to work towards whatever you're working towards or see your friends, you know. Um, so can you tell me how you work with these former athletes and any kind of tips and tricks you give to these, your athletes, student athletes to to help them make that transition a little bit easier. I really love that analogy too, that you just gave. I think that helps 
break it down pretty nicely because I love vacation too, right? I love having um, a, a break in, I guess, the mundane sometimes because things can get pretty repetitive, especially being an athlete. You really are doing more or less the same thing again and again because it, it's in that repetition that you build mastery of something, right? It's, it's one of those things just like most that you do again and again and again. And one day, eventually, you may or may not. Anyways, sometimes you don't, but <laughs> often you become a master or an expert of something. Um, and so when you are taught, because we're taught truly as athletes to do the most, be the best, um, beat your opponent, give it your all, make it happen. All of those things are pretty classic things that we're told or we're taught as an athlete. And inherently there's nothing wrong with those things, right? But it's when we tie them to our identity, when we tie them to who we are and it becomes, oh, I don't feel like I'm being productive enough. So I'm not enough. Or I didn't win. I didn't beat my opponent. I didn't do my best. So I'm not great. I'm not the best. Right. So it's once that those things become tied to who we are at our core. So like me, I am Madeline and beyond that other things are what I do. Swimming was what I did. It was something I was a part of something I chose, but it wasn't ever actually who I was something I did. I want to take us down a side street and I don't know what book I was reading, but I was reading a book and for the first time I really realized that everything we know we've been taught, which seems really elementary to say out loud, but if you like think about it deeper, we're really born like a clean slate, like a clean chalkboard and everything we learn is a mark and everything we, we have been taught can be unlearned. So there are different things that I was taught growing up and now I'm looking at and asking myself, okay, this is what I was taught. This is what I thought was true, but is it something I want to believe in? Is it something I agree with? Do I want to take it with me or is this something that I can leave behind? Can you talk about and how or if you're incorporating unlearning certain beliefs um, that we've been taught and how it can positively impact how you see yourself in the world and ultimately how you show up in the world. Yes. Love it. Because that is exactly what I help people do. So there we go. Um, what I call this is the process of unbecoming. So you, I loved what you said, because I totally agree that when we're born, we're born free of conditioning. We're, we haven't learned anything yet. We're just there. We just are. Um, and that, especially when you are younger and I don't necessarily know up until what age, but it, cause it's different for everybody, but especially young, young kids, they're just free, right? They're just free. And they're, um, they're not self-conscious about anything and they just show up and they do whatever they want and they say whatever they want. And they sometimes play with like a snail or stick for hours and they're like, Oh my goodness. Or I always tell my cousins, I'm like, there are yes. fairies in the woods. Right. And we like go on uh, adventures and it's like. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 I love it. And so if you really stop and take a look at young kids, you see who they really are. That is who they are. So maybe some kids are naturally shy, right? And because there's nothing wrong with being shy, but some kids are naturally more shy and that's beautiful. Um, but then there's also kids who are more silly and more playful and yeah, more, more imagination that they use. Um, really, truly as a kid, we know who we are. And that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. As we go on, as we grow up, as we experience the world, different types of people, different places in the world, whatever it is, um, all of our experiences and those we encounter teach us things. That is conditioning. Now, conditioning doesn't have to be negative, but it can be. And it's only negative the way I think of it anyways. It's negative to me if it's not in line with who you are, with what you actually believe, your truest self. So that's the term that I use a lot is true self. Um, and self, capital S, higher self, true self, authentic, authentic self, um, who you were as a kid, free of conditioning. So 
Um, by the time, you know, let's say you reach the end of college, because most of the individuals I do work with, it's after they've finished competing in collegiate sport, um, some professional athletes as well. Um, by the time you're 22, 23, you've taken on a lot of stuff because you're, you've gone through 22, 23 years of life, right? That's fine. That's your experience. And my process of helping people is about one, bringing awareness to the conditioned beliefs that they've learned and that they hold sometimes that they hold a little too tightly even because they feel like they're supposed to, or that they should be believing those things. Um, and looking at those in contrast to what they actually believe. So it's about clearing out the space by looking at, okay, no pain, no gain. I don't actually believe that. You know, what do I really believe? Oh, that rest is important for me to move myself forward or to be successful. I must rest. Those two things are contrasting. So it's about really staring one in the face, acknowledging it, acknowledging, hey, is this conditioning or is this my true self? What do I want to reframe and repurpose maybe? And what do I want to totally let go? And then it's the steps to move towards that letting go process, that releasing process so that you can embody all of your true self in whatever you do. So I have a question and it's a little bit more on the selfish side because I, I, this is a personal one and it's something I struggle with. Um, so I, I think I know who I want to be and I think I know what I believe in, but it's really hard sometimes to fully embrace those beliefs or be a hundred percent confident in who I am and how I show up and how I want to show up and I struggle with anxiety and, you know, some of my friends don't necessarily agree with the things I believe and setting boundaries and I, I find it's really hard to be 100% confident in me 100% of the time. So what's some advice on how you can work on getting there? And then what does that look like? The first thing that's popping into my mind is that nothing is ever going to be 100%. Certainty doesn't actually exist because everything's always changing. We're always changing. The world is literally moving all the time, right? Whether we feel it or not, the earth anyway. Um, but I do feel as, as athletes, we can also be conditioned to believe that we're totally in control or we, we have certainty of when things are gonna happen with you know the structure of our life. Um, I know for swimming, for our big meets, we had a meet sheet that told you the exact time you were supposed to step up onto the block. Now. Did that usually change? Yes. <laughs> yes, it did. But in reality, I don't even think I noticed that change because I still had it in my mind. It was like, okay, this is when I'm going to be swimming so I can prepare for it. But especially in life in general, we don't have that same certainty. So it can feel a bit off-putting, definitely a bit different. And it can feel like things are out of our control a bit more than we've ever felt necessarily. So um, one thing when it comes to this is really working with your present moment awareness. I know you mentioned anxiety, for example, which I'm sure many people, I mean, not, I'm not sure. I know many people on the planet experience anxiety, myself included. Anxiety lives in the future. Lives in the future. <laughs> I love that I, expression. That's great. <laughs> I have never heard that. Wow. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't live here where your feet are. It doesn't. No, it, it also doesn't. doesn't live in the past. Um, more sadness, uh, sadness, depressed feelings, not necessarily depression, but depressed feelings, like things like that typically live in the past, right? Because we're reminiscing on something or we're, we're ruminating about something that happened in the past that we now can't change, right? And anxiety lives in the future where we also can't control and we are uncertain about. But the only way we can get to the future is by doing what we need to do right where our feet are in the present moment. So that is how I help people to manage anxiety in general. Um, but again, this uncertainty and also 
being confident in yourself is about tuning in to yourself in the moment right now where your feet are and doing it step by step. I feel like I just had a huge light bulb moment. Wow. Anxiety lives in the future. I've actually named my anxiety. His name is Richard. And I've been trying to be like, oh, Richard's here, like trying to acknowledge his feelings, either write about them, you know, just kind of let them go. So huge light bulb moment that is so helpful to reframe and rethink about that way. I want to go back to transitioning from athletics into the real world, whether that's a corporate job, whether that's full-time athlete, whatever it may look like, it's going to look different for everyone. Is that kind of the structure you set when you're mentoring people is to, to, you know, be in the present? Like, how do you, how do you help them? And can you give some tips and tricks that you use with your, with your clients? Yeah. So I will say this is, um, probably the trickiest part of my work, but also the most exciting is that every single person I work with is unique because humans are unique. Right. And so I myself have been in programs where I've worked with my own coach, my own mentor, things like that, um, who have used a certain structure or had like this container of a program that they help people with, you know, week by week, it was a different topic, things like that. And, and I think that was really useful for me in certain ways. And I learned a lot, but I also learned for myself and how I connect best and support my clients best is through it being a little bit more open-ended and a bit more intuitive. So I actually rely on my intuition a lot. I would like to think, and I feel like it's very strong, very strong intuition um, because I've been working on it. I've been building it, but I really like to show up with each person, each client, each athlete or former athlete and tune in to what they need. And we just get going. We dive right in just like you and I are doing today. We're diving right into something. Um, and I can tune in to where we're going to go on that day. But I guess I just answered my own question and answered yours as well, because that is telling me that yes, the present moment is essential for that because I myself am tuning into them in the present moment. And maybe, you know, we're reflecting on, not maybe we are, we're reflecting on some past experiences, of course, reflecting on mindfully the future and planning, but it's always done from a place of grounded presence. Yes, because when we are grounded in the present moment, we can mindfully reflect on the past and the future without it feeling overwhelming in any way. Wow, I feel so enlightened today. That's that's amazing. I guess we can kind of pivot and shift back a bit um, because this can go hand in hand with mindfulness. And if there are any tips and tricks that you use with your clients and how you ultimately get them to recenter or whatever that may look like. Sure. Absolutely. Love that. Yeah. So um, some of my top tools absolutely are mindfulness based, whether it is, um, or let's go with this one. For example, I like to teach people breath work or go through breathing exercises with them. Uh, and I usually like to do this again. It depends. Some people we're not doing it right away and that's okay. Other people, it's one of the first things we do just really depends on where this person is in their journey. Um, but I like to offer breathing exercises because one, it's a great way to connect with yourself in the present moment. Two, the breath is a form of expression. So if we're holding any emotion or the energy of emotions, um, we can literally express those things through the breath, especially with certain patterns where we're holding the breath, pushing out the breath for an extended period, things like that. Um, and I also find that it's an, a bit easier, I'm putting easier in quotes here, because uh, then meditation, then seated meditation. To me, I found it to, there's not as much resistance to working with a breathing pattern. Um, for some people there may be, and that's when I kind of switch it up as well. But when you are just seated with yourself and you're focused on the breath with accounting, um, with, with counting, it doesn't feel as scary. Sometimes seated meditation where it's quiet, really quiet, can feel a bit startling to people, especially athletes who are go, go, go. 
their whole life. <laughs> so that 60 to zero contrast of being go, go, go to being totally still really doesn't work for everybody. And I, that's what I've found um, in most of the people that I work with. So I start with breathing exercises instead. So that is my number one tool right now. I found meditation to be very challenging for me. Like if I meditate, it's either a podcast is on or music or like, I don't know if it's traditional. Meditation is hard for me. It's really hard for me to be still and quiet my mind. And I find it's easier if I have a voice to focus on. So that makes sense with the breathing and the counting. If someone listening were to want to try breath work on their own, would you say count in your head? put a counter on, what would that look like as a starting place that's not too overwhelming? Because it can be very scary diving in when you haven't practiced it. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I will say disclaimer for that reason exactly uh, is why I do recommend people finding the right support in doing Mm -hmm. that. Now, sometimes that just means finding a meditation app, right? Where you have a meditation or breathwork teacher guiding you through in that way right? Because at the least, um, you're having some, some guidance there, some support. You don't feel like you're alone because that's a big part of the transition is, is recognizing you aren't alone and that you can ask for support, just like you had a coach your whole life, right? You had a coach your entire life as an athlete. But then I found so many former athletes being like, I'm fine. I'll figure it out. Why? Why? why why make it honestly why make it hard that's what I did I went for many years without support and then finally I was like why I am perfectly okay now asking for support and I want to have a coach my entire life I swear to you like until I'm a wise sage like old woman with long white hair like I'm fine having support why do you think I feel like this is a common narrative among former and current athletes. Why do you think athletes have such a hard time asking for help? Even if it's not mental health related, I think it is a common theme with athletes. Like my friends in college who weren't athletes are all like, life is a lot easier if you just ask for help. But for me, that that concept is very hard to internalize and I've gotten better. But but why do you think that is? <clears throat> I think there's a bunch of different reasons. There's a bunch of different conditioned beliefs that people might be holding, or even in combination, those beliefs together come out with the, I'm good on my own type of thing. Um, But I think a lot of them can be the, you need to be mentally tough to be an athlete. And mentally tough means like pushing through and again, like doing the most and making things happen. But once again, I do really think athletes forget like but you've had a coach your entire the entire time you're being mentally tough you have a coach right so that's it's just something we don't always bring perspective to because you're just like oh my coach is so normal like that's just they're just there always of course so we kind of forget that we've had that support um but then on the flip side and something else that i i talk about a lot is um being sensitive being a sensitive human and not every single person is highly sensitive, but most have some sensitivity. And I think the idea that, oh, sensitive equals weak is a big part of it too. So asking for help to be vulnerable or to like express my emotions means I'm weak, which I'm trying to throw the heck out the window because goodness gracious, (laughs) we don't like that. We don't like that here. Um, so that's a big part of it, I would say as well, or some combination of those things together, you need to be mentally tough, um, or you're just not good enough. Right. And also sensitive equals weak and talking about my emotions or getting support would mean I'm weak. I mean, the being mentally tough phrase, I wish I could, I could hold a funeral for, I think that's something that just the be tougher, be mentally tough. Like, what does that even really mean? Like, it's a hard concept to understand when I don't really think it serves a true purpose other than a negative one due to people thinking that it means don't talk about your feelings or you're weak or like, don't complain that it's freezing cold and you can't feel your hands, like be tougher. Um, But I know we had chatted more informally before you came on. And for everyone listening, I just watched Encanto, which is this beautiful Disney animated film and long story short I sobbed at the end and I realized that I do this with 
with music as well. For certain songs, I feel them so deeply, and I think lyrics are so beautiful, and they're, they're mini stories, and music transports me back to times in my life where where, you know, the music is a theme song of that certain relationship or brings me back to that moment in time and it really, really hits me and I feel it so deeply. So I'd love for you to talk more about being sensitive and the importance of it because I do think sensitivity is a superpower. Yeah, love that. Um, Thank you for sharing that experience too, by the way, because that's what we need to be doing. We need to be sharing that more so more people can really be open to the idea of, oh, okay, so this is okay. This is valid, right? Yes. Because you are valid, right? Every human being is meant to be here, um, right now. And my goal or my intention is to help more people embody their true self. If their true self happens to be sensitive. Yes. Amazing. And that's what I'm really working with people to do, um, is to acknowledge who they are and to step into that like you said, as step into that superpower, truly, because it can be. Um, And so when it comes to sensitive, once again, most people, most athletes are told being sensitive is weak or leave your emotions at the door. I think that's total BS now, total, total. Um, But you can bring, you can bring the celebratory emotions. You can bring like the, yeah. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. Right. Right. So it invalidates the, you know, whatever it is behind those more quote unquote negative or like low vibe emotions. And so we're really taught to shut those down, leave them wherever they are, but then we're also not taught how to manage them either. You know, I've never had a coach be like, well, leave that at the door. And then after practice, I'll share with you how you could navigate your emotions, right? Just like, no, just leave it at the door and then go home to it. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, you know, it is what it is now. I'm not saying it's actually the coach's job to do that either, but I've also never had a coach be like, okay, you know, maybe I can help you find the right person to support you in that. Right. I didn't have any coaches do that either, unfortunately. So I know that's the experience of a lot of athletes, uh, as well. And especially for those that are highly sensitive. So Um, only 15 to 20% of the population have the highly sensitive trait because that is what it is. It's a trait. Um, but then again, there's also a continuum. There's plenty of people that are very sensitive as well, but not necessarily highly sensitive and that's fine too. So being highly sensitive in the way I think about it is, is, I mean, you gave a perfect example, being so moved by a movie or music or other forms of art, or you moved to tears. And um, it's really just this deep, deep awareness of your emotions. It's not all about emotions either. It's you're highly attuned to your environment. Uh, I mean, I know for me, like certain lights, like bright lights really affect me, especially nowadays when I'm even more attuned to my sensitivity. Super bright lights or really loud, busy environments might affect me a little bit differently than someone who isn't highly sensitive. Um, so sensitive is, is more so perceptive than it is just emotional, which is how it's framed. Like, oh, you're so emotional. Don't be, don't be so sensitive. Oh my God. If anyone ever says that to me again, sorry. Um, that's like, that's like when people are like, can you calm down or calm down? I like, I got into it with my sister the other day because she was like, just calm down. And she like, didn't mean to say it because we've had conversations about it. Like, (laughs) so she knows how I feel about it. And I was like, yes, you tell me to, did you just tell me how to feel my feelings? And I was like, yes, never ever on planet earth has telling someone to calm down worked. (laughs) So it's like the opposite. It's like, yeah. yeah, it does not work. Um, and, you know, again, e- even if it looks like it, it worked, quote unquote worked, it just to me is saying that that person has now internalized their emotions, has pushed them down, which doesn't work because emotion does not want to stay in our body. It's so the way you can look at emotion, the word emotion, E for energy, motion. So energy in motion is what our emotions are. Yes. Awesome. Right. Really cool. So my jaw just fell on the floor for people who can't see me. Oh my goodness. Yes. Okay. Um, so our 
our emotions or the energy behind our emotions doesn't want to stay within us. No, it wants to be expressed. So honestly, let's circle back to um, the breathing exercise because I realized I never even gave the breathing exercise. So perfect timing. So something like doing a breathing exercise where you breathe in for four seconds, hold it for seven and breathe out for eight seconds can be a really, really useful tool for bringing some of the uh, energetic emotions or the emotion, emotional energy, sorry, said that backwards, emotional energy to the surface and then expressing it through the breath. So that is another reason why I really love to help people learn and practice breath work because it's a beautiful form of expressing our emotions, getting it out of the body. It doesn't want to stay there. When we hold our emotions because someone's like, oh, just, you know, just let it go. But then they don't tell you how to let it go. Oh my gosh. Um, When people tell us that, or they tell us just like, you know, ignore that, get over it, all that stuff. Don't be so sensitive. Don't be dramatic. Oh my gosh. All of the things we hold it. And then it just wreaks havoc on our physical body. Truly. Like it just, I mean, I've had plenty of physical symptoms from my emotions. Like I'll get tension headaches if I am holding on to my emotions too much. I know I, all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, oops. (laughs) I am, I am (laughs) releasing my stuff. Have I? Or I got at one point a few years ago, I started getting chest pains out of nowhere. Um, 14 years of swimming, never had chest pains. Like, what are you talking about? Chest pains. Went to the ER. They said, you're fine. You're fine. Nothing's wrong. Like I'm not fine. Something's wrong. And through all of the different practices that I had started exploring, like holistic practices and everything, I just came to realize that I was holding so much emotion in my body that my body was finally like, okay, we've had enough. We're going to give you chest pains. You can't ignore until you do something about this. Um, And I did, I did. I start, that's when I really started leaning into my personal practices of breath work, of meditation, of you know, other holistic practices like, um, energy healing, acupuncture, all the fun things that I love so much. I love combining all these different, uh, forms of healing. And it's led me to finally be able to acknowledge my sensitivity for what it is. It's not a weakness. It is a strength to show up every day as my sensitive self in a world that isn't made for sensitive people. Let's be honest. Um, that is a strength. That is a superpower. So long-winded way to respond to that, but I, I could talk about it forever. I love your point about the human body. I think the human body is so incredible and so amazing. And this sounds so corny, but whenever I'm having a bad day, I come back to like kind of the basics like of my body and being like, I'm so grateful for my legs that I can walk and I have two working arms that can pick things up. Like my body shows up for me every single day without me asking for it to. And it's given me so many different things. I mean, it's given me 25 years of life, 20 years of sports. And what I think is so interesting and what I'd love to pick your brain on is using your mind as a tool for healing. So a little bit of backstory is that I've had some hip surgeries and my first one going in, I was literally negative comma Nancy like I was mad at the world why me this sucks it's never gonna heal it's never gonna be okay I'm always gonna suffer and sure enough six months later after the surgery I was in so much pain and I was like it has to be retorn so they opened me up and four hours later of surgery you know I like they fixed me up but going into the second surgery my mindset was more so okay worst case scenario I'm gonna be healed Like, I'm going to try to tune into my body on what it needs and focus on the little wins in this healing process. And ultimately, I healed even faster. I felt even better. Like, being there firsthand, I was able to use my my mind to help my body by almost, like, force-feeding, not necessarily, like, fake positivity, but, like, looking at little things as big wins. And... And I think this goes back to to our teaching beliefs and what we what we're taught from a young age. And there's this thing called the high five habit, and it's like high fiving yourself in the mirror, like you can't help but smile, or talking to yourself in the mirror to be like, I look beautiful today, um, things like that. But can you can you talk about how how to use your mind to almost like supercharge yourself? I love this. Again, thank you for sharing such a cool personal experience. That's so cool. 
Um, the mind is our most powerful tool. So going back to the very beginning of what we were talking about in terms of the past and the future and you know, anxiety and, and, and other things, the mind can time travel to those places. The, so that means the mind can also envision anything we could ever want. We can just bring it right in. Now, something, isn't it, oh, go ahead. Isn't also go. like the mind, sorry to interrupt, the mind yeah, no, like, sometimes can't tell if it's reality or not? Correct, correct, yes. So when you like envision like a positive outcome, your body, yes. your body reacts as if that actually is the outcome, not necessarily, okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh, it's wild. And so this is one thing that I actually do tend to get pretty nerdy about in the best way, because, well, being nerdy is great, just kidding. It's great. I love it. It's fine. Um, but I don't usually bring too much research into things anymore just because I don't. But in this case, I love to bring it in um, because I had done a bunch of research about imagery or visualization with um, with athletes. And there was one particular article or probably several, just kidding, not just one, <laughs> several articles around what you just described. And it has to do or it had to do with um, visualizing lifting weights basically, versus lifting the actual weight in reality. And when people practiced visualization, because it does take a practice, takes practice, right, to get quote unquote good at visualizing and really seeing, being clear and um, bringing all this detail into your visualization can take practice. Uh, but when you are able to do it that way, those people that were visualizing lifting the weight had their muscles responding as if they were lifting the weight. And that was recorded, that was measured. How cool is that? <laughs> that is so cool. Yes. Now, I'm not saying that you can just sit at like, yeah, home and train for a marathon, <laughs> you'll be fine, just visualize it. <laughs> I am not saying that, that's for sure. But there's also been experiences of, you know, a particular um, Olympic diver who broke her, I think her toe or ankle, I can't remember exactly, um, just a few, few, maybe, I forget, it was right before Olympic trials, maybe, or something, I'm sorry, I'm butchering all the details here, however, whatever, I digress, um, and she wasn't able to practice at all, at all, like she could, you know, diving, you need your foot, <laughs> you need your literal foot, you need your ankle, she was not able to practice at all. Uh, and so what she did was she visualized every single day, every day, probably several times a day. I don't know the metrics on it, but a lot. And she went and she made it to the Olympics at the Olympic trials. And then she, I believe she won a bronze medal at the Olympics after being out of diving for, I, I think it was around two months-ish that she was out. I mean, it wasn't five days. It was a significant period of time. So Again, it doesn't mean you can go from zero to 60 and just use visualization, obviously, but it does show you that the mind is so powerful that if you truly believe something and you consistently repeat that to yourself or you consistently bring that in to your awareness using the mind, your body will respond to it. So it's also I, the opposite too, by the way. If, yeah, like yes. you said, if you're bringing in the bad, or you're bringing in the things that are detrimental to the body through the mind, it can also affect it that way as well. We are going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Madeline in a moment. I'd like to take a second to talk about Morgan's message without whom this podcast would not be possible. Morgan's Message is a nonprofit founded in 2020 to honor Morgan Rogers. Through amplifying stories, resources, and expertise to confront student athlete mental health, we are building a community by and for athletes and providing a platform for advocacy. Morgan's Message strives to eliminate the stigma surrounding mental health within the student athlete community and equalize the treatment of physical and mental health in athletics. To help us take a shot at mental health, to support our mission, to find out more, to apply for our ambassador program, please head to morgansmessage.org or follow along on Instagram at morgansmessage. Let's get back to the episode. 
want to bring us back to identity and talk talk a little more about your true self and I think finding your true self is incredibly hard because we as humans are always changing and shifting and our environment is also changing and shifting whether that's you know in politics or the economy or these other stress factors so how can you help guide guide people to explore who their true self is and like what does that even look like like what's an easy starting something I've realized and I've had to realize this just like most of the things I share with the people I work with um I had to realize it for myself first before I could share that openly with people um is that it's less about finding or discovering yourself it's more about unbecoming all the things that are not aligned with who you are it really really is it's about going back to the basics of who you are when you were a kid but now you're an adult (laughs) you know now you're an adult and you're doing all the adult things so it's this process of unbecoming the things that no longer serve you because here's the thing about conditioned beliefs especially the ones we talked about when you were actively choosing to be an athlete, right? Because it is a choice. I recognize everyone's experience is a little bit different, but more or less it's you're choosing, right? You're choosing to show up each day. Um, And a lot of those conditioned beliefs serve you as an athlete to to be able to continue to be successful as an athlete. So technically, you know, there's nothing wrong with those things. However, you get to a certain point, especially when you have now transitioned out of sport, there's certain ones that are not going to serve you at all. They are just draining you of all your energy. You know, that like beautiful life force energy that we are supposed to be able to share with the world. You were just describing it, right? It's more or less your aura, right? We put out our aura into the world. Um, It's completely drained by a lot of those beliefs that don't make sense when you're not an athlete. Like you don't need, why do you need no pain, no gain anymore? Why? Why? Now you don't, I don't think you need it as an athlete either. However, right. The point is though, like to me, and again, every single person's different. So it's, it's about recognizing the needs of each person. But to me, that would be one, especially for me, I'll just go with myself actually Um, for myself, no pain, no gain makes no sense. So I do not choose to participate in forms of movement or exercise that cause me pain. Or if I'm at yoga and I notice myself feeling pain, instead of pushing through, I'm able to, you know, pull back and say, nope, that's not it. Or if it's, if I'm doing a certain exercise and I will be able to say no too much, my body's telling me too much. So I'm going to go into a child's pose for a moment, or I'm going to take a sip of water. Whereas just a few years ago doing yoga, same thing. I was pushing through pain still, and it was awful. It didn't serve me at all. Um, so that's a, a way that I, or that's not how I would help people, but that's something that I might help people to go through themselves of recognizing whether these beliefs are in line with themselves, or if they're really just causing anxiety, draining you of energy, um, things like that. They're not supporting you. And then we find ways to reframe them or again, release them. So that is what I mean by it's not about discovering. It's about unbecoming. And then all of a sudden your true self shows itself. So I have a question and it more so relates to me, but you can think about it in a sports way too, I guess. But how, how do you get to a place where like I work a job and I try really, really hard not to let how I perform especially when there's money involved and you feel the pressure of I have bills and I have to pay rent and I am very very lucky that and grateful that I do like I like what I do but how do you start to separate from attaching your worth to a specific dollar amount like where do I even start like I'm so young I cannot be associating my worth with how much I'm making or you know, what I'm doing, like, what is your guidance there as a starting point to create kind of a separation? So one of the main things that comes through the way I work with and support people is reframing how 
we acquire confidence, basically confidence, self-worth, self-esteem. I kind of lump all those things together because more or less confidence is the belief in yourself, right? Um, and so therefore it is self-worth at the same time. And as an athlete, another conditioning or conditioned belief is my confidence is dependent on my performance. So when I do well, I get people cheering me on. I get all the high fives. I get the great jobs. It's, you know, all the stuff. When I don't, it's usually a little bit quieter. Or it's usually the, oh, great job. But you're like, but that's why. That's not, is that a pity good job? What's happening there? Um, or some people listening, including myself, oh my God, may have gotten an actual pity clap in their life, which is horrible. Ooh, bad, not fun, right? But that inevitably teaches us that my confidence, how I believe or what I believe about myself has to do with how I perform or my, you know, me deserving to be celebrated, whether by others or by myself has to do with how I perform. And so I try to help people make that separation and it's a process. It does take time and it takes going back to that again and again um, and recognize the confidence was not and is not designed to be dependent on performance. We are not, we are not born to be constantly striving. We're taught that. We're taught that. And so by coming home to your true self, you're coming home to the confidence that lives totally within you. Because just because you live and breathe, you are enough. So I listen to a lot of Ed Milet, and one of his big things is building confidence is you build it in yourself by keeping promises to yourself. Even something as simple as going to brush your teeth, you go saying like to yourself, like, I am brushing my teeth this morning, or I'm going to brush my teeth, whether it's night or day. And in while you're, as you're doing it, you're building this relationship with yourself where you know you can be, you can depend on yourself and be dependent on yourself. And I was wondering, and I find that it's so valuable and trying to get better at it, but thinking about zoning in and really trying to figure out like what works best for you in terms of building that confidence. Like, are there other ways for people to build confidence that you found works other than or alongside, you know, making these promises and then keeping them to yourself. So I will say that actually is my go-to form, right? Okay. Love that. I love that you've heard of that and you're, you know, finding your own way to do that. But I will say too, um, to add into that, that's another reason why having the external support, right? Because we can listen to all the podcasts and read all the books and do all the things. Listen, I've done it all. I've done it all too, you know? Totally. But there's something about having a coach or a mentor or some form of external support to be just that, to support you or to add maybe some reminders in, right? So with my, um, the people I work with one-on-one -on -one in the MindWise Method, which is my um, six-month program for people, uh, or for former athletes in particular, is having, um, they have tech support. So we're able to talk throughout the week where I'm able to check in with them in real time as little reminders. Maybe there's something we went over in their session and they know they really want to do that this week, but they are just like, can you just send me a, a quick reminder? Yeah, great. Or the vice versa, when they do something like, like do their breathwork exercise or yes, um, set and keep three promises to themselves. They'll send me an emoji, like an emoji check mark or something right? Like something so quick and simple, but it's still providing them with a little bit extra accountability. Cause good. We all need it. Whatever. But when people are like, Oh, I don't need any accountability. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Good for you. Like good. Actually. Cause there are some people I say, I think that really are fine without it. Great. Okay. Love that for them. Not everybody, myself included. I don't get anything done without timelines. Like I need a timeline, I need a deadline and I need some extra support. And that's okay. So that is definitely one piece that for sure helps solidify a habit because that's what you're trying to build is the habit of self-trust. 
the habit of making promises to yourself and keeping them. And habits take time and consistency. So finding the ways that work for you to feel supported in sticking with that habit is the missing factor, I would say. Having like a full circle moment, I have the five minute gratitude journal and I was really good about it for a few months, but like most things, um, it fell to the side and I wanted to get back into it and back into like gratitude and taking time for to be grateful for all the things that I have. Um, starting with, you know, three things a day. So I started texting those three things in the morning to my best friend. And I was like, like, this feels really uncomfortable because they can be like personal, weird things. And as soon as I started texting them, she was like, I love this and texting me back with hers. And on days that I, you know, forget, like I'll get a midday text with her big three things that she is grateful for it and it's a nice really like grounding centering thing so for anyone listening it may be as simple as finding a friend to text three things to or even making a google voice number to text like I found this has been really helpful for me and not even having someone to like report to necessarily it's more so like a nice friendly reminder that it's okay to be grateful and you have that accountability of like they're doing it too Um, but I know we are coming up on time so I'd love to finish with some closing questions Number one is what's the most impactful book or podcast that you've listened to or read that you would recommend others tune into? Okay. Well, I'm going to give two because I want to give one shameless plug, which is my own book. (laughs) Because you know what? Guys, if there's anything that you learn, whoever's listening to this, is that you, you should be shamelessly plugging yourself. And celebrating. If you're not going to plug yourself, who else is? Who I is? Say that. Yeah, exactly. It's so true. So find the things about yourself that you want to celebrate and talk about it. Use your voice. There is a difference between cockiness and confidence. The difference is that confidence smiles and cockiness smirks. That's the difference. I know it's so fine of a line, but there's a difference. Okay, people. Good, right? It's a good one. I know. Uh, so I'm taking notes. I'm literally going to go back through later and be like, right I love it. Yes. And so a few years ago, I one wouldn't have ever written a book. Let's just be honest. I wouldn't have written it. Um, and two, I definitely wouldn't have been talking about it in the way that I have been and how I just did. So my book is called The Highly Sensitive Athlete, How to Embody the Magic of Your True Self in and Out of Sport. So it's a lot of what we talked about today, clearly. And where can people get it? Is it online? Yeah, so I will ask people to not order off of Amazon because Amazon doesn't work very well for some reason. And a yeah, whatever. Anyways, you know, lots of reasons. But you can order it straight from me. I'll send it to you personally. I'd love to sign it for you because they're in my house and I'll send them to you um, at madelinebarlowbooks.com. Is that order form? Um, and again, that book is really about a lot of what we talked about. It's for current athletes and former athletes. So there's two halves to the book and it's just about really recognizing that sensitive trait within you tells you a little bit more about what that really is. Um, and it gives you tools really some of the tools like breath work that we talked about today and other tools for really acknowledging and expressing your emotions and also the energy that comes along with being highly sensitive. So that is my book. Yay. Love it. Um, And then I'm going to be a bit more general with this just because I've always loved her work and it's been really impactful for me, but honestly, anything Brene Brown is, is just incredible. So I, I don't even think I can give one. I haven't read her new book yet, but I've heard it's really incredible as well. So I'm really excited to read that. Um, but it, again, it's, it's this great combination of research that's, but it's, you can read it, you know, it's, it's digestible. It's, it doesn't so feel digestible. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And that's what I feel like I'm, I'm so glad to have done in my book too, is to go from being super research heavy with getting my PhD to being able to just write and it be very relatable. So I think Brene Brown does 
um, a fantastic job at that as well. And it helps really acknowledge um, things like shame and vulnerability and things like that. And I just love all the books. Yeah. Agreed. Could not agree more. Um, <laughs> what second question, what yeah. are you most looking forward to in 2022? Mm, okay. So something that I have decided I'm doing a lot more of moving forward is going on solo trips around the world. So I love to travel. I love it. I obviously haven't been able to do it as much as I would have liked in the last couple of years. Um, But I've also never just gone on a trip totally by myself. I've gone on group trips by myself, like met people when I joined the group, which was really, really awesome. And I've done two of those to Europe before. I've never gone on my own um, and I am going on my own. I'm going on a week-long trip to Spain by myself, currently learning some Spanish because I don't know any yet, Um, but I know that's going to really challenge me in a lot of different ways. And again, I, I like to be as much of a good role model as I can. And if I'm, you know, expecting the people I work with to show up for themselves and to really look at themselves in the mirror and do things that get them outside of their comfort zone. I need to do the same thing and travel in my opinion is one of the best ways that you can do that. I'm super excited for that. I love it. I feel like it uh, like skyrockets you out of your comfort zone automatically like going, going anywhere <laughs> alone. I feel like, yeah, yes. you're definitely thrown, thrown outside of the comfort zone. Um, yes. And the most important thing to know is Dondea style Banyo. Where's the bathroom? That's what love I love that I, one. I, yes. It's yeah. so important. Yeah. You're so right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, I, yeah, I went to the Galapagos and that was, my mom was like, oh, cool. that's the one thing you need to know is this. And then she was also like, you also need to know how to say my phone number in Spanish. And I was like, okay, there two things, two important things. Um, Love that. And then last question is, what are you most grateful for? Uh, I'm most grateful for this moment right now. And then the next one, and then the next one, each moment that I get to be here and each moment that I get to show up and live my life, just my life personally, um, and be with the people I love and care about, but also, and just as important as importantly for me, each moment that I get to show up and support the people who trust me to support them is a gift. It's truly a gift. Perfect ending. Um, thank you again for coming on and chatting. I am so 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 excited to go back and listen because I even have so many different takeaways that really hit home and I don't think I really digested in this you know less than an hour conversation so I'm excited to go back um everyone listening go buy her book for more amazingness and again thank you for coming on and sharing everything you shared with us today you're welcome thank you for having me Another huge thank you to Madeline for coming on the mental matchup and talking so openly about so many different topics and sharing just like tips and tricks that I actually, most of them I had not heard before. And I feel like I walked away with so many, so many new tools in my toolbox. And as I've been listening through, I am continuing to pick up on more things and digest and really retain the information and I hope that this episode, you you all who are listening left feeling like, wow, like I took this away or took that away. Um, but yeah, huge shout out. So grateful. And another huge thank you to Morgan's message for all their hard work and for presenting the mental matchup. We would not be here without them to get in touch with Morgan's message, you can go to at Morgan's message on Instagram or morgansmessage.org. You can also find the mental matchup at the mental matchup or at the mental matchup.com. And finally, you can find Madeline at mindwisementor.com. Um, you can go purchase her books at madelinebarlowbooks.com. And you can find her on Instagram at mindwisementor. As always, thank you for listening and I will see you next episode.